The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. From Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank you all for listening, for joining us here today on The Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad that you're here with us, and I really love hearing from you. Thank you for sending those emails and uh, letting me know how it's going in your life and letting me know what's happening for you in your recovery and in your spirituality. Thank you, too, for liking us on Facebook. We've got a Spirit of Recovery page there, and you can go and like us and um, post on our Facebook page. And I want to thank you also for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community and your unity community and your other spiritual communities know about us here on the Spirit of Recovery. And I love the opportunity to broadcast about recovery and spirituality and about these principles. They really um, light up my life, and I know that they make a big difference for all of you. Every week we do talk about topics that are important to the recovery community. We have guests who are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative, people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people. And they're bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. I know that you are aware that you can listen to us here on The Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can, of course, listen through your computer. You can listen through your smartphone. You can listen live or you can listen on demand um, whenever you want. We've got lots of archives at uh, unityonlineradio.org slash program slash slash spirit of recovery. I want you to know that the spirit of recovery is a welcoming place. And so if you're a person in recovery from any kind of an addiction, if you're a family member in your own recovery as a family member or a family member or friend of someone with the disease of addiction, whether or not you or they are in recovery, we're welcoming you here as a listener, as a participant in our discussions. Maybe you're just curious, just interested in information about recovery and spirituality, and you too are very welcome here to participate. If you have a question or a comment, you can email in or you can um, you can call in. Today it would be better to call in, and we'd be happy to entertain your comment or your question. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity minister and an addictions counselor. 
I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And over 30 years ago, those relationships got me involved and got me started on an active path of my personal recovery and spiritual development. And ever since then, my walk is an integration of these unity principles and the recovery principles. They're not the same, but they are compatible and congruent. And that walk keeps me transforming and keeps me growing in ever deeper ways. So I am very grateful, very delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you and to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and recovery walk. Today, our topic is God Higher Power. Making that life-giving connection. You know, one of the greatest gifts and the greatest struggles of recovery is to make that conscious connection with a life-giving power. A lot of us have old ideas about spirituality. We've probably got some painful disappointments. And if we're going to find that connection with that power that is uh, greater than ourselves, larger than ourselves, that's that loving power, we're going to have to face some of those things so that we can make room for a new concept and a new relationship. And I'm very happy to uh, tell you that my guest today is John James. John is uh, the program supervisor of the Chemical Dependency Treatment Program at Hazelden, Naples. John brings with him um, a Master's of Business Administration, a Master's in Addiction Counseling, and uh, certainly as a certified recovery counselor. And he has been involved in recovery counseling and in program development and management for many years. He, uh, John shares with us today how he helps clients find new ways of looking at the concept of a higher power and making it real and putting that power to use in their personal recovery. And John brings with him a lot of um, wonderful life experience as he works with clients. He not only has a background in addictions counseling, but he has a, a really uh, rich background in the business world that he uh His addiction counseling career is a second career for him. He got his master's in business administration from the University of Chicago and spent several years in investment banking with Dean Witter Reynolds, which is now Morgan Stanley. And he was uh, there a vice president and was involved also um, as an officer in a community bank in Minnesota. And he helped uh, start many uh, companies. So he brings so much uh, life experience and so much richness to his role as an addictions counselor. And John also has a wonderful and deep spirituality. So, John, welcome to the Spirit of Recovery. Thanks, Anne. I'm I'm happy to be here. Glad you're with us. Yeah, great. Yes. So, you're probably glad to be in Florida and not in Minnesota. Well, I I must tell you, I just talked to somebody from our office in Minnesota, and it's 40 degrees and it's about to snow, and it's we have a heat wave here. We're at 85. We're supposed to be at 82 and sunny today. So, oh, too bad. Uh, I wish I were sitting on my lanai talking to you, but I'm not. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, somebody, somebody's got to do it, right? Somebody has to suffer through this. <laughs> uh, yeah, so th- thanks again for yeah, taking time welcome. to be with us. It's yeah. my pleasure. Thank you for asking me, Anna. So, yeah. uh, I was very surprised when you showed up here in, in uh, Florida because and, and, uh, I hadn't seen you since... Uh, um, Hazelden days, and so it's really a pleasure to see you. Thank you. It was great. Yeah, I got to visit with John um, back a couple of months ago when I took a trip to Naples, and uh, I met John 
gosh, now in 2008-2009, when I was a student at Hazelden and he was um, a counselor on uh, the treatment unit where I was doing my internship. And so uh, I learned a lot from him and really, really appreciate his presence in, in my life and grateful that he's out there doing the work that he's doing. Yeah. Thank you. And, and back to you. <laughs> so tell us, when yeah. uh, clients, you, you get to see a lot of people that are coming in um, to treatment. You, you get to see them, you know, right when they're walking in. What kind of spiritual condition are they in? Well, I would say that, uh, you know, to the extent addiction is about disconnection and to the extent uh, spirituality is based upon our relationship with others and our higher power. It's really the first thing to go, I think. Um, as as we've learned, uh, this addiction is a biopsychosocial spiritual disease, and the spiritual condition is the first one to suffer um, as the p- individual begins to isolate from uh, people in their lives and, and really from themselves out of a deep sense of shame um, that they're somehow morally broken individual. Mm-hmm. So they also come as a result of, and many come here, um, having been beaten up by their religion, so to speak, and uh, so they have some resentments, which only adds to this feeling of uh, disconnection with uh, their spiritual the spiritual part of who they are. Mm-hmm. When people come in, uh, given that, do they, you know, now we're kind of hearing a lot in, in the world of of religion and so forth about the difference between spiritual spiritual but not religious or whatever so when people come in do they tend to be still attached to spiritual communities or not or is it a mix or what's what's going on with that question good question i i I think they uh they've for the most part most of them have uh, even though they've been attached in the past uh, as i said have been disconnected from that that spiritual community or religious community and um, many of them, I would say most of them, tend not to understand the difference between religion and spirituality. Um, but that's one of our, our challenges here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things we say, and I'm sure you've probably heard this, um, religion is for people who don't want to go to hell, but spirituality is for people who've been there and don't want to go back. Mm-hmm. That's a good so, It's a deeper sense of self, I think, in that, in that journey. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so they come in and and like you said they're experiencing that disconnection how does it show up like how do you know that they're being feeling disconnected from their spirituality uh good question um i i guess uh you know first of all by their statements but also there's a you can see it in their faces you can see it in their eyes i mean the face is the window to the heart window to the soul uh, we think and i I can tell you the opposite. I can tell you um, when a person has regained a sense of spirituality, I can see it in their faces and I tell them, you know, there are many, many times when I've gone home for the weekend and come back to see a client here and just be completely struck by the change in that person's face. There's a certain openness and, and uh, I guess, openness and um, brightness uh light lightness uh in their face and in in the way they walk and it's it's really an amazing uh phenomenon to see mhm mhm what are some of the kinds of conversations that um people tend to have <clears throat> about their spirituality again when they're 
sort of new in treatment, or or do they even want to talk about it, or how do you approach that? Yeah, um, they tend to they tend to go back to the default, which is religion, and um, you know it's one of our questions that we ask about you know, their spirituality, and I'd say most of them tend to uh, fall back on denominational descriptions or describe themselves as agnostic or or atheist. Uh, we have a few of those also. Um, so they tend to, to, to frame it in terms of their past religious experience. Mm-hmm. Most of them, I would say most of them, um, really um, describe a disconnection with their pre- previous religion and their previous religious practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really sad to see that. Mm-hmm. Are there... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, as we learn, as they, and as they learn, they begin to understand that that's, that's really the, the, the life-giving um, a piece for their recovery, that, that renewed spirituality. Mm-hmm. Have you ever encountered anybody that had a more of a sense of depth of their spirituality that was, for them, beyond just sort of an externalized practice that lost that in, in their addiction? Yes, uh-huh, and the loss was even deeper because of that. Um, and the, the, the sense of shame was even deeper because of that, I would say. On the other hand, having had that sense of uh, spiritual fulfillment, um, I find that it's easier for them to come back because they know where their path has been in the past. Mm-hmm. So once, once we're able to... Um, take away the shame that they feel um, and take away the, the, I would say, the shame that they feel over what they've done and their seeming helplessness that they attribute to, as I said, a moral, moral failing, uh, that spirituality comes back uh, even more readily than others, I would say. All right. Talk um, some more. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that, that those that could come with a, uh, with a sense of spiritual with a sense of religion but not spirituality, uh, I actually have a more difficult time in understanding what spirituality is. Uh, I can't tell you how many people uh, who come here uh, are looking for some white light experience. And Bill W. talks about that, of course, uh, in the big book. But they're looking for that white light experience. They're looking, they, I always tell them, don't look up. Look across. Look at the person next to you because... Uh, between you and and that person, there's a power there that of connection that that God wants for you to have, and that's the spiritual. That's part of the spirituality, is that connection with others. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? I, as we know, a lot of times um, addiction treatment does take place in in a group type of setting. Right. How does that work? The spirit. Moving in oh, that. You, you know, it's really, it, um, in fact, I just did a lecture today on the 12 steps of AA and spirituality. And the way I describe it, first of all, the, their biggest problem is with spirituality and higher power, the, the, the two concepts. And I explain, I give a little history of Bill W. and Dr. Bob and the, the magical power, the spiritual power that existed when the two of them uh, got together at last and began to speak about their experience, strength, and hope, and the special power that took place there. Um, I describe uh, a higher power, and this is connected. It's a very simple definition, which they really are able to accept initially, and that is 
it's three parts. One is it's not yourself, um, which they chuckle at, but uh, I think uh, in the moment of silence after that, they, it really sinks into them. And the second one, the second part of the definition, it's something outside of you, which seems pretty logical. But the third one, which is most powerful, is, is that whatever that power is has your best interest at heart. And then I remind them of the morning meditation that they have and the, the times that they get together as a group, as a group of uh, people in retreatment, people that don't have a counselor there or a staff person, and the power that they feel. I ask them, do you feel that power in that room? Do you feel that sense of spirit? And almost everyone raises their hands. And it's really interesting as when you put it that way how this this uh, look of comprehension comes across their faces. Mm-hmm. So they begin to understand that uh, that power, that spirituality exists in their relationship with their fellow man. Mm-hmm. That's where they get their power. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. What, what are some of the ways that that shows up, like how in their interactions with each other or, or what's going on? Um, the, it shows up, I think, most powerfully in their their willingness to share their deepest struggles, uh, the struggles that brought them in here. Uh, daily we see and hear of uh, peers or client, clients here, we call them clients, who have never talked about things before, and they begin to trust their peers in such a way that they've never done before, begin to disclose things to them, and in exchange receive uh, affirmation and uh, a feeling that they're not alone in these struggles with their past. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I think, where it comes most powerfully is in their sharing. Right. That, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, I mean, we think of spirituality in a sense as so lofty, yet the gateway to it is sharing yes. how difficult it is, life is. Isn't that true? Yeah, that's so true. Mm-hmm. It's lofty. Yeah, that's, I think that's a great word. That's, that's, um, they come in with this idea that spirituality or religion spirituality is some lofty power coming down like a bolt of lightning and that they'll never achieve it. They've never achieved it before. And it's really a very simple thing. I mean, mm-hmm. when you think of it, uh, biblically, that's what it is as well. You know, it comes, God's power came through very ordinary people. That's right. That's right. My guest today is John James. He is the manager of the Chemical Dependency Treatment Program at Hazelden Naples. And we're talking about God Higher Power, making that life-giving connection. We're going to take a break, but stay with us. We'll be right back with Spirit of Recovery. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Have you asked your soul what it wants? Or are you so busy meeting the needs of everyone else? Family, friends, children, bosses, that you haven't checked in with the part of you that matters most? Janet Connor asked this question and received an answer. Your soul wants five things. That's it. Five things. Your soul wants to connect with source. Commit to values. 
serve a purpose, express itself creatively, and last, it longs to create a beautiful, abundant life. Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that meet those needs. You can take each course separately or register for the complete Your Soul Wants Five Things series and receive $1,000 in bonuses for free. Visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, Your Soul Wants Five Things. Your soul will thank you. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach. Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. My guest is John James, and he's the program supervisor of the Chemical Dependency Treatment Program at Hazelden Naples and has um, a lot of years as a recovery counselor. He also has a wonderful background in business, and he uh, brings um, lots of experience, lots of hope, and lots of um, peace of mind and deep spirituality to his work as a recovery counselor. And John is sharing with us um, about uh, God Higher Power, making that life-giving connection, and uh, the struggles and the gifts of developing that connection with a higher power and how that happens when we get into recovery. Before I get back to my conversation with John, I invite you to join me for the Serenity Minute for a brief moment of sharing a constructive idea and then a brief moment in the quiet. So I invite you to relax, to be aware of your breath, to feel that relaxation as it moves all the way from the crown of your head throughout your body temple, allowing your mind to open, allowing your heart to open, and share with me this constructive idea. I make a decision to connect with a loving, life-giving, higher power. I make a decision to connect with a loving, life-giving, higher power. And now we take a moment in the quiet.
Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And I trust that that was an opportunity for you to open up your heart and mind and to become aware of that presence and that power that does love you. And now I'm back to my conversation with John James and our topic about the higher power and making that life-giving connection. So, John, when you're working with people, and what a what a great position you're in. It's like you're kind of a midwife, you know? Yeah. Sometimes a concierge as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it feels like we're herding cats. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's a great, yeah, you're right. This is a great, a great spot to be, to watch people uh, change uh, so dramatically uh, and walk away here with smiles and a sense of serenity. It's really re- rewarding. A position, I can tell you. Yeah, I bet. I'm reminded of a poem, and now I can't remember. <clears throat> I think it's by Reverend Sam Shoemaker, who oh. had some input in the beginnings of Alcoholics Anonymous, I think. Yes. I can't remember. But but anyway, the, uh, there's a line in it that says, I stand by the door. By the door. Uh, yeah, you know that one? Looking at the poem as you're speaking. Oh, would you read it yeah. to us? Oh, sure. I want to oh, cool. just grab it here. It's on the, on the bulletin board. Just. Bear with me a second. Sure. Yes. I mean, uh, Sam Schumacher, the interesting thing about Sam is that he was not a man in recovery. Uh-huh. Uh, he was a rector at Calvary Episcopal Church in, in New York City, uh, where Bill W. Uh, moved between him, between his church and, and the uh, hospital as he uh, sobered up and then would do some work with, with Sam and work at his mission, uh, Calvary Mission. And Sam wrote many, many books, but he's most famous for having really been the author of the 12 Steps. Hmm. On the 20th anniversary of AA, Bill W. got up and gave him credit. Even though Bill W. wrote them, he says he wrote them in about 30 minutes, and they weren't numbered, he said Sam Schumacher really was uh, the author of the 12 Steps. Really? Um, Yeah, which comes actually from even farther back from his days at the Oxford Group which was a Christian group, mm-hmm. uh, as you know. So, But his, his famous, um, uh, he wrote, as I said, I think I said he wrote 32 books. Wow. But um, he was a very prolific writer, but his most famous ones are, are about recovery and, and uh, addiction. Hmm. So if you, I can do this. I'll read it. Sure. Stand by the Door by Sam Shoemaker. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, this is a higher power moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it is. How about that? <laughs> I was just, as you said that, I was looking on the bulletin board here, and I said, oh, there's Sam Steele. So, and as you remember, I was um, the, uh, the supervisor on the Shoemaker unit at Hazleton, so right. he holds a particularly oh, right. close uh, space in my heart. Right, and you so did that after I left, so I knew that, but it wasn't as yes, stuck right. in my mind. Uh-huh. Right, right, I guess I met you on TiVo. Uh-huh. So here's I Stand by the Door by mm-hmm. Sam Shoemaker. How about that? I Stand by the Door. I neither go too far in nor stay too far out. The door is the most important door in the world. It is the door through which people walk when they find God. There is no use my going away inside and staying there when so many are still outside and they, as much as I, crave to know where the door is. And all that so many ever find is only the wall where a door ought to be. They creep along the wall like blind men with outstretched groping hands. Feeling for a door, knowing there must be a door, yet they never find it. So I stand by the door. The most tremendous thing in the world is for people to find that door, the door to God. The most important thing any person can do is to take hold of one of those blind, groping hands and put it on the latch, 
the latch that only clicks and opens to the person's own touch. People die outside that door as starving beggars die on cold nights in cruel cities in the dead of winter, die for want of what is within their grasp. They live on the other side of it, live because they have not found it. Nothing else matters compared to helping them find it and open it and walk in and find him. So I stand by the door. Go in, great saints, go all the way in. Go way down into the cavernous cellars and way up into the spacious attics. It is a vast, roomy house, this house where God is. Go into the deepest of hidden casements, of withdrawal, of silence, of sainthood. Some must inhabit those inner rooms and know the depths and heights of God and call outside to the rest of us how wonderful it is. Sometimes I take a deeper look in, sometimes venture in a little farther, but my place seems closer to the opening, so I stand by the door. That's it. Beautiful. Thank you. Mm. You're welcome. Thank you for bringing that up. Absolutely. And I promise that I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I know you didn't. (laughs) That's pretty good. I'm not even in my own office, so... Huh. I'm in a borrowed office right now, so mm-hmm. that's that's amazing. It yeah, is. Isn't that, isn't that cool? It is yeah. cool. You're well, there's, right. a, there's, there's a higher power. I wish my clients had been here to witness this. Well, you can tell them. I will tell them. <laughs> you can tell them this one. The staff will be amazed as well. So. Huh. <laughs> wow. Boy, yeah, I'm touched. That's great. That's oh, great. Well, I am too. Yeah. Well. Well, that's the personalization part, you know, yeah, that how do you help them? To do that, you're standing at the door, reaching out your hand, all those beautiful images that he's got in that. Right. How do you do it? How do we do that? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the first thing we do, I, I, at least I try to do, is get them to relax. Um, so many so many of them come in here uh, looking at this program from an intellectual point of view, or they come in afraid they're not going to get it. They're not going to, they, they've been told this is a spiritual program. They've been told that there's a higher power at work in this program. And they're so terrified that they're going to miss it. Uh, so what we, what we talk about, what we emphasize is to relax. And in early recovery, act as if the higher power is in your life. And as you begin to look at and act as if and continue to do that, um, we tell them that somewhere along the line, as you look back through the rearview mirror, you will see where, in fact, God's powerful influence on your life has taken place uh, in very subtle ways, but yet very powerful ways. So it's so many of them are looking for that white light experience that uh, Bill W. talks about. But if you actually look in Appendix 2 of the, the uh, big book, you'll see where it, that's treated. And for many of us and most of us, it's, it's important to understand that it comes in 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 uh, process, it comes in gradually. It, the realization that there's a higher power at work in your life is is a gradual process. And once they begin to understand that, they can relax and begin to take in the little pieces day by day, the meditations that we ha- we recommend that they do in the morning. Um, as it says in page beginning on page 86 of the big book. It talks, and we emphasize this every day uh, upon awakening, and it uh, talks about uh, going in and prayer and praying, but praying from a selfless point of view, and that eventually those mysteries that used to baffle you 
uh, daily will will come through your higher power and become clear to you. But it takes practice, we tell them. You have to practice every day. There is some methodical part of this that that they, they learn. So we kind of take away that, that magical piece in some ways, but we allow them to feel the magic in that room where they meet and feel the power of the group. Mm-hmm. So it's a... It's what we call the spiritual triangle. It's you, God, and others. So that meditation of this morning is about you and God. And meeting in AA or in the rooms here with their peers is others. And they, they begin to understand that. They begin to have the patience to understand that it doesn't. it's not a bright white light always. Right. Now, you know, one thing, part of uh, a recovery process and, and certainly part of the treatment process, but all of recovery is inventory, is looking at, okay, what didn't work, what doesn't work, what's, what needs to be different in me. How is that spiritual? Um, well, I would say this, that um, we, we, uh, we encourage them to do a step 10 every night, to take that inventory daily, to... to um, to, under, to to find the ways that that higher power has taken place, taken power in your life that day, to look at your relationships and how those have uh, have been improved or need improvement each day, and in that understanding that we're interconnected with others, and that that each day we need to, um, you know, how would I say this? Um, um, Despite challenges, work to good purpose in all of our lives on a daily basis. And by doing that, that spirituality comes to them. Mm-hmm. That's spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that makes sense to you. but uh, Yeah, so it's, it yeah. sounds like that it, it, as they focus on behaviors, focus on maybe attitudes and so forth and keep after it, that, that there begins to be that softening. Yes, uh, that, that understanding of what's, what's happening, yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And sometimes actions come before belief. So, and we ask them actually in the um, third step to have faith. Uh, the spiritual principle of the third step is faith. And we ask, we're asked to have the faith that if we take these actions, these, we do these behaviors beginning in the fourth through the tenth step, uh, that the promises will come true in our lives. And those promises are very spiritual because they're about relationships and and the fear of relationships have gone away. And so if they take those actions based on the faith of step three, they will, the promises will come true in their life. And that's a spiritual journey. That's a, uh, nothing but a spiritual journey, four steps, four through ten. Mm-hmm. What do you see as some of the, um, we talked earlier about this really today already in some ways, about the blocks that people might have uh, sure. to doing this, but are there any other things that, that come up for them that keep them, I don't know, do people say I'm not doing it or they pretend like they're doing it and they're not or what? I mean, it's hard to have faith in something you it can't is. see. It is. And um, some, some don't, you know, some, some unfortunately don't, uh, don't get to that point by the time they leave here. Um, uh, some of them uh, tend to intellectualize this process and I, and I feel bad for them that that that's happened. So, but we do try to, to uh, get them out of the intellectual piece and under- get the understanding that this is a spiritual program and it's not an le- intellectual program. Um, that's, a, that's a big piece for them. But we do get people who, who don't get it 
unfortunately. Um, they get pieces of it, though. All we can do, I mean, we say so often when people leave here, uh, we have hope, they have hope, but in actuality, in many cases, what we've done is simply planted seeds mm-hmm. for future growth. And mm-hmm. we hope that as they be, continue to struggle through their lives, uh, they'll begin to go back to the spiritual tools that we gave them that the big book talks about, to pick up those spiritual tools. Um, and and we do, let me say this, let me just say that I, we had our alumni reunion this last week uh, over the weekend, and we had about 100 alumni come uh, for a weekend of uh, activities. And I can tell you that some of the people who showed up, we were in complete shock. Because mm-hmm. uh, God, you know, it makes us understand that God's in charge, we're not. Mm-hmm. God has control of their lives, we don't. And some of the people we never thought would 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 be back sober or clean for the reunion had had found that spirit, sense of spirituality after they left here, which was really cool. I mean, that's that's what we like. We say here, that's what we get paid the big bucks for. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I love that because, you know, the things we're talking about, sort of what happens for people when they're new in treatment, but yet I think that the practices are still the same, um, even, you know, no matter how long a person's in recovery. So I love that. So what did these people say about the ones that came in in, to the reunion about what's what's keeping them going? What's keeping them in recovery and growing? Uh, Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. I mean, it's it's an excellent question. They they find. at some point along that journey, they, they, those promises begin to come true in their lives. I mean, we talk about the pink cloud. Many of them have that when they leave here. And then they meet up with the challenges that are awaiting them when they leave here, the, the challenges that brought them here. But as they, as they continue to practice, and they would, I can't tell you how many have, have done this. There was a, let me just say this. And I can give you an example. There was a, uh, a man who was here. Uh, it was actually one of my clients before I became the supervisor. And he, uh, when he left here, he had a slip. But when he came here initially, he'd lost custody of his son. He'd lost himself. He'd lost his job. And when he came back a year later, a year and a half later, he said, the promises came true in my life. He said, and thank you for giving us the faith that, we, uh, that I needed to go forward and do the actions necessary. He said, I have custody of my son today. I have my job back. I have my friends back. I have myself back. And he said, it was a wonder, it was a difficult, but a wonderful journey as I look back on it. Mm-hmm. And he said, I know that it wasn't me alone who did it. I know it was my higher power had to be there. Mm-hmm to make this happen. I couldn't have done it myself and I couldn't do it myself before. Mm-hmm. So it was amazing to see him. It was really an amazing uh, experience. Thank you, John. It's time for our break. Okay. My guest is John James. He is the Chemical Dependency Program Supervisor at Hazelden Naples, and he's a person that's talking with us in wonderful depth about making that life-giving connection with our higher power. Stay with us. We'll be right back on The Spirit of Recovery.
spirituality into your own hands? Bucking corporate religion in favor of finding your own path? Do you cross the boundary between religion and science? Or between religions themselves? Do you like a dose of humor with your truth-seeking? If you answered yes, you're what we call a holy rascal. Join Rabbi Rami Shapiro for How to Be a Holy Rascal, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Central. Rami and his guests will engage in lively, humorous discussions about what it means to be a spiritual human being in the 21st century. How to Be a Holy Rascal, Wednesdays at 11 a.m., only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you think you know all you want to know about the characters in the Bible? Do you know who could be called the king who loved too much? Or what it means to be a Jezebel? Or that the best love story in the Bible begins with the declared commitment of two women? The Bible's symbolic meaning can help you transform your life and discover the presence and power of God within you. Find out what these characters can teach you about your own life today by tuning into Biblical Power for Your Life. Each week, co-hosts Rev. Karen Tudor and E.J. Niles present a Bible character from a historical, cultural, psychological, and symbolic perspective. Your comments and questions are part of this lively discussion. Tune in every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, and power up your life only at Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to the Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening with us today, and I know you're enjoying this program. Um, my guest, John James, and I have really had a God moment with that Sam Shoemaker poem, and uh, we're sharing that with all of you. So, thank you for listening with us today. Um, John is the Chemical Dependency Program Supervisor at Hazelwood Naples and has lots of rich experience um, as a recovery counselor and also as a business person. And he is talking with us today about Got Higher Power, making that life-giving connection. So, John, uh, right before the break, we were talking about um, how people do. You, you get those seeds planted um, when you're there in the program and in, in the treatment program and um you know, you go out and you do your life, and it's not this promise. The promises are in the AA Big Book. That's what it's talking uh, about, the Step 9 promises, right? Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. And um, that it doesn't mean your life's all going to be rosy, happy, happy. It means oh. what? What do those promises mean? What do those promises mean? Um, I, I would say the promises really are the fulfillment of reconnecting with ourself and our God and other people in our lives. I think uh, the process of recovery uh, is about uh, our journey from self-centeredness to other-centeredness in our lives. Um, And I don't mean selfishness necessarily, but self-centeredness, where we feel sometimes like an island. And the promises are, as we go in that process of becoming other-centeredness, culminating in making amends to people that we have hurt in the past, those promises stand before us. And it's because, really, we've changed the way we relate to people, our, uh, the people in our lives. 
and to our higher power. Those promises, the the the, uh, the, the loss of fear, things that no longer baffle us, um, the clarity that we gain in our life situations, all those things come from the process of changing our lives in step six and seven, having that willingness and humility to change who we are. Um, I think the step six and seven are probably the most spiritually um, fundamental steps of this program. I think those are the ones that we 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 uh, do an inventory. Uh, we stand before God and another human being and talk about our character defects, and we ask God finally, our higher power, to to change those things in our lives so that we can live a much richer life. Mm-hmm. And only after we change who we are do we make amends to people. That whole process is is humbling and fulfilling and enriching. And um, you know, it, it's no accident that having completed all those, it ends at the end of in step twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, uh, where we we seek to help others who suffer from alcoholism. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's. That's the spiritual uh, goal, is that spiritual awakening. And as you see, it's a, it's a, it's not a white, necessarily a white light experience. It's a, it's a journey. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a neat journey. Um, it was my journey too, I might say, personally. And mm-hmm. as I, as I, as I work with clients here on their spirituality, it's um, a definitely uh, strengthened my own. Uh, Spirituality and my own relationship with my God—it's—it's um, it's, uh, created a humility in me, uh, which some people never thought would happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John. Say, no, well, I'm just being. Well, that's how far I've come. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, but it's created a uh, humility. I think um, you know that um, when people come back. Um, here at that reunion and there and they have this or we get letters and we get letters and emails and telephone calls hi this is my third anniversary I just needed to call you and thank you again it's so easy to take that into myself into ourselves and say wow didn't I do a great job but there there are many where that didn't happen okay I mean mm-hmm. I've suffered through a number of deaths of clients that I've had some very tragic and very and and some I've had a very difficult time getting over. And um, it makes me realize that it's not me, but God working through me. That's that spirituality. That's God working through me to help these people mm-hmm. find the God that I found. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the most powerful uh, powerful piece of my life. Mm-hmm. And what? How does that change for you? What happens day to day? You, you spoke of okay, it's gotten you some humility. Um, <laughs> and what does that look like day to day? How's it different for you? Uh, patience, uh, understanding, um, a willing to laugh at myself. Um, you know, this we don't go through days. Even even uh, we don't go through days without making mistakes. And uh, it's difficult here not to get caught up in uh, thinking that a mistake is going to uh, ruin somebody's life. And I'm not suggesting that that's happened, but mm-hmm. you know, there's that temptation. Uh, 
So it, it needs we need to have balance. And um, this changed the way I look at this process. It really has taken me from an, uh, I think myself, from an intellectual uh, look at this program. Uh, you know, I was in graduate school as you were, and much of it was intellectual, I would say. Mm-hmm. Most of it, in fact. Um, there was some spirituality in it, but it was taught, you know, and learned, but not necessarily experienced. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. So coming out here and working in it and talking about spirituality and seeing it in action and seeing change and seeing relationships uh, blossoming um, have uh, been part of my my journey, my education, my gaining spirituality in my life in mm-hmm. a more full sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, what you're speaking about, I'm thinking of a couple of things. One is, you know, just kind of back to step six and seven, the where you ask your higher power to remove your um, shortcomings, uh-huh. is that that whole thing about what's the footwork and what's the part, quote, I do as my human nature, what's the part God does? And then you're even magnifying that, being in a helping role. What's your part as the helper and what's God's part? How do you sort that out? Oh that's that oh that's one I struggle with every day. I mean I think we all struggle in that it, although it's a different context. I mean we we talk we ask clients to take back their will, you know, in step three. And you know, we have to do that as counselors too. We have to take back the idea that, that this is us doing it. And I think the more we have a sense that we're being guided and we ask for guidance and are being guided by our higher power. I think the more effective we are, and that's that part of that humility again. But having said that, it continues to be a struggle daily not to take it back for ourselves and to have the patience to allow our higher power to do the work uh, that we really can't do. Mm-hmm. So it's a diff- yeah, it's a difficult. It's it's too easy, I think, to go back and think it was all about us. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have to be reminded of that daily. And, you know, I think God does that. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, most of the time in a fairly gentle way, I think. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the beauty of the job. Mm-hmm. It reminds us every day that, that uh, it's not about us, it's about God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's about glorifying Him. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And everything we do, we need to glorify Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's one. Yes. So what, do you do any particular practices? I mean, I'm sure, I know you have oh. your own personal, but how do you do that? How, what are your practices? My practices? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, as you said, I have my own. And, and I start the morning every day um, uh, with uh, some recovery uh, books of meditation and some uh, religious, you know, denominationally oriented uh, meditation books. Um, I do it every day, mm-hmm. every day, every day. If I go on vacation, I take my books. I always take them, never without them, because I need to set my day right. I need to understand that I have to take instruction uh, from somebody other than me. And uh, at night, I, I'm hoping that, I hope every night that I, as I go to bed, I do the same, which is a step 10. But my, my practice is, um, I have a, I, I, I would, I guess I can say that I'm a man of pretty strong faith. Mm-hmm. You are. Yeah. And um, that's why I start my day. And I recommend every client that that's how you need to start your day. 
part of planting your feet on the ground when you get out of bed is saying, is resolving that I'm going to turn my life over and will over the care of God. And those meditation moments help that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, I, I do other things um, as part of my private spiritual life. You know, I do um, some, uh, some group work with, with uh, both religious and recovery work uh, mm-hmm. throughout the week and the evenings. Mm-hmm. That weekend, and I'm fortunate to be married to a very spiritual woman, mm-hmm. very very spiritual woman. So, um, truly spiritual. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that's 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 how I get through it. Right. So it sounds like a lot of it is is back to kind of what you were saying as you're working with clients is about relationships and keeping yourself in contact with people that are going to support you in your spirituality. Exactly. Exactly. We need to stick with people who are, well, as as the Bible says, equally yoked uh, in many ways. I don't know if that's where you were going with that. Sure. I think think that's really important that we stay with people who have our our own um, uh, beliefs, Mm -hmm. our own uh, belief system, our our own moral set of standards. And in recovery, recovery language, people who are who get this thing about recovery and are very serious about it and practice it every day. As they say, practice these principles in all of our affairs. I think that's extremely important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of difference. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 I know you do, too. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's amazing, like you said, as, as you, you know, when you do that daily practice is that it opens up the space and um i'm so aware more and more on a daily basis that there's i mean i'm not in control it's like i'm willing to let you know that power that higher power be in control and it's like all right here we go we're on the bike ride (laughs) yeah yeah honest open willing and willing as we say Mm -hmm. you know uh presumably in recovery you've got the honesty piece but it's still a struggle to become open and willing Mm -hmm. to surrender each day to your higher power Mm-hmm. And, and accept that you can't do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Progress, not perfection, Anna. Okay. There we go. Huh? <laughs> That's important. There we go. Yeah, that keeps you humble. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but, yeah. No, but it's a good life. It's a great life. Yeah, a life I've never, I never imagined I could have, frankly. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I try to pass that on to others. Yeah. Make that happen and help that help make that happen in their lives. I should say yes, and you do, and I've seen that firsthand. I sure have. Yeah, yeah. Is our our time is up? Do you have any final word of wisdom for us? Uh, Just uh, day by day, you know, day by day, turn your life and your will over the care of God. All right. uh, Practice these principles. Yes. Sounds good. Anna, thank you so much. Thank you, John. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. My guest is John James, and we've been talking about making that life-giving connection with our higher power. And um, thank you all for listening with us today. And again, John, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for the work you do and the life you live. Thanks, Anna. My pleasure. Good. And we'll be back next week with Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. 
Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach. Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Consider these inspirational thoughts from the quest for prayer from Unity House Books. Holding a special, loving thought for other people benefits us as much as it benefits them. In fact, in some ways, even more so. Consider, for example, what happens when you wash your car with a hose. What gets clean first? The inside of the hose, of course because the water must rush through the hose before it can clean the car. So it is when we hold loving thoughts for someone. As those loving thoughts rush through us, they bless us first. It is a win-win situation. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in 
that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts.